you either have to spend less and that's definitely no fun and pretty hard to do because of course one of the benefits of so many of these jobs is you get some significant time off and so time off with no money to travel that reminds me of like having a poor retirement it sounds awful so you either have to spend less which to me is no fun or you have to make more and that's what this podcast is all about how can you make more how can you create more income opportunities how can you generate more money how can you create some assurances that as you age and as you progress and as you get to the point where you want to wind down your working career you will have enough money to enjoy the time that you'll then have and as part of my own personal beliefs, how can I leave something behind as a legacy for my children so that when inflation continues to take its toll in the future, my kids will have a leg up on everyone else. And that's where the messages of so many of our episodes about how to go about investing and how to get started are critical. Welcome to the Invested Teacher Podcast with Kyle Pierce, Matt Bigley, and John Orr. Get ready to be taught as we share our successes and failures encountered during our real-life lessons, learning how to build generational wealth from the ground up. Welcome, Invested students, to another episode of the Invested Teacher Podcast. Well, 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 my friends, we are back here today, and the topic of the day it sort of stems from a conversation we were having as a group and we were just chatting about income. We were talking about some conversations we've had with, we'll say, nameless invested student clients around what they're earning and how they're feeling. It seems that everyone's feeling the pinch. And actually, it sort of made us think back and kind of go, what's happening out there? We know inflation's happening. I'm sure everybody's aware of this, keenly aware that things are changing. COVID and all the money printing has led to prices to rise. And we're dealing with all of this uncertainty right now. But ultimately, it really had us thinking about when kind of digging into what is enough to actually live on. I think, Matt, you had found an article that that directed you to kind of think about this and do some research, but it got us thinking too, is is $100,000, is that enough money to make a comfortable life? Is that what the ideal has been? For me, I think when you heard that number, you're like, that will be more than enough. That's a great number. That's a great number. And I think for some reason, and I can't explain it, maybe it's one of those anchoring moments in your life. I don't know. It's probably similar to how you hear a song and you remember that time of the moment. For some reason, when I hear a dollar amount for a salary, I'm often brought back to when I was an early teenager, back to 1993. And when I heard my dad's state- second album was just released, and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was in grade eight or nine. So I heard my dad, who is a teacher, state his salary, and he said sixty thousand dollars. Like he had made sixty thousand dollars, which I think was the going top tier rate of a teacher back in ninety three. And for some reason, it has pegged me to say that's the right amount of money. It's almost like my mind has I'll be wiped, okay. wiped away that inflation exists. It carries forward because when I made $60,000, when I was a teacher, I was like, man, that's awesome. But I made it pretty much quickly within the first few years of teaching and getting to the top tier on the category scale, not, not say the yearly scale, your experience scale. But once you got to category four on your scale, it was like, there was close to $60,000 pretty quickly. And I remember thinking that that was it. I made it. I've got the right number. And then every year after that, it went higher and higher and higher. And I still think 60K is the right number. And actually, in reality, 
if I had worked until my retirement date, which would have been 2036, right? It's burned in my mind. 2036, if I had taken my pension, it would be 60K. So for some reason, it's still there pegged that that's the right number to live a life of comfort, of being able to provide for your family. But guys, when I finished teaching, 100K was where we were. And I still think that that sounds like so much money, but I don't know. Like We're going to do some digging today. I was like, I don't think it's the right amount of money anymore. Yeah, 100K sounds like it was the holy grail. You've made it. The proverbial six-figure salary, six-figure right, income. Exactly. And, Maybe that's it. Teachers, police officers, nurses, a lot of people in public service are making this much money. And what's so crazy is this article from the Globe was saying that roughly 10% of Canadians make six figures or above. So this kind of sounds insane to say, is $100,000 enough? Because the vast, overwhelming majority of Canadians aren't making $100,000 or more. And so what is happening there? But I think our audience is largely made up of people who may fit this profile. And so I think this is really about exploring the perception versus the reality of this $100,000 holy grail. And as we unpack this, and as we think about you know both our current and future financial goals, it's really, it's about wondering, is this enough? And it's not going to be all bad news, even though the picture I think we're going to paint here is a pretty bleak one. For those, we live in Windsor-Essex, which is incredibly affordable compared to many parts of the country. So we're going to paint, a, I think, a bleak picture based on these numbers, but there's hope. And the three of us coming from this world of education and teaching and making this six-figure salary and leaving it behind for something that I think is so much better both financially as well as, as with our lifestyle. So my first wonder to you guys, being our human calculators, our math crunchers, is if we have a $100,000 gross salary, what does it actually look like? What's our take home? What's our net from that for, say, a typical, let's take a teacher or again any of these other professions that are going to have similar benefits, defined by benefit pension plans, those types of things? What does it look like? We're going to dig into that, but before we do, something that popped into my mind, and this was unplanned. This was completely unplanned, what? but as soon as off you script? named off script, <laughs> but Matt, you had said something about teachers and police officers, and right away, what popped into my mind, I don't know if you guys were thinking it too, but right, if you know and you are from Ontario, you know this thing called the Sunshine List. Ooh, and the yes, Sunshine true. List here in Ontario, I don't know if it happens in other provinces, but I know here in Ontario they do. And basically the Sunshine List is this list that is published every year to show any public sector workers who earn over $100,000. And the year that I went onto the Sunshine List, someone said like, Kyle, you're on the Whoa. sunshine list. I was like, what does that even mean? I had no idea. But more importantly, like what popped into my mind was I'm going back and I'm thinking about John and your $60,000, right? You're saying like that was your number. You said 1993 for that number. Because we're human calculators and really Microsoft Excel is kind of my biggest help in that endeavor. So it's not you're just happening. that. Yeah. I'm totally geeky for sure. You were in 93. You are still in 2023. I totally am. I totally am. So what we did was we actually looked at the data and basically over any 20 year period, if you actually think about inflation, it's typically around 4%. Now, of course, it can go way high. Like in the 80s, went way high for a while. It's got way high right now. It's always reported lower than the reality too, which is something that's hard to really navigate, right? Because they get to decide what the basket of goods is and they take things in and put things out. But anyway, 
that 4% is the average over pretty much all 20-year periods, okay? That's kind of a good number. Even though the government and the Fed in the U.S. and the Bank of Canada are trying to aim for this 2% number, right? They actually want the money supply to inflate. They do want a little bit of that because that means they get more money, right? Like, think about that. You get pushed into higher tax brackets, right? So the tax brackets didn't go down as your salary went up, right? John, you hit that 60000 fast and the government was exactly as I planned, right? John, you get to pay me more money now. Congratulations. Oh, and by the way, everything costs more too. So when I looked back and I was like, when did the sunshine list even begin? And the Sunshine List began in 1996. So what, Pearl Jam's third or fourth album or something like that? So, John, you were talking 93 and 60, 65,000. And now we're in this place where the Sunshine List, what hasn't changed on the Sunshine List is this $100,000 benchmark. So think about that for a second. Back then, 60000 actually was, and you said the max salary for teachers, I think, in 93 was around 65000 in Ontario. $65,000. That was a big gap between this Sunshine List, and now it's like, all teachers, once they hit the top of the grid, are on the sunshine list, right? And a lot of people are like, oh, teachers are paid too much or police officers are paid too much. But in reality, if we were to take that number from 93, like you said, we used 65000 because that was the max teacher salary in Ontario, and you actually used 4% as inflation on average each year, by the time we hit, I just turned 40. John, you're what, 42? 43. 43. So John's 43. You would need, in order to replace that $65,000 salary, that was the number you had in mind, and you're like, that's a big number. My dad's number. salary. That was my dad's salary. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Well, in today's dollars, assuming 4% inflation every year, by the time you are 43, which is now, you'd need $210,000 to have the same buying power, the same purchasing power. Now, if you want to go, some people are like, well, 4%, that's too high, whatever. Let's put it down to 2% for a second. It's still 117000 And I think 2% is way conservative in terms of what inflation actually looks like. In context, if I think about my 1993 self, when I viewed my dad's salary at 60 k and I compare it to my salary when I finished teaching, my dad would have felt so much richer than I felt. Basically, if it was a 4%, it should be double. To him, it would feel like if he's living in today's time, he felt like it was he'd made 210000 worth of buying power versus my 100000 worth of buying power. That's crazy. Yeah. And I want to go even further. I'm doing this on the fly as we're talking in my magical spreadsheet here. And I just want you to think about this for a second. Think from like the fact that back in 96, okay, so you said 93, but 1996 is when the Sunshine List came out and it was to expose public sector workers so you could see any name. That was earning more than 100000 That was by, I think it was the Mike Harris government, it says. If inflation goes at 4%, John, right now, that list, if it actually inflated, if the number inflated like your salary did, it would be 324000 
Right. So like when you think about that and the differences, right, it's almost like the sunshine list is silly now. And then if we look at it at 2%, it's 181,000. So we're talking maybe some superintendents, not all superintendents or the directors of certain districts, or maybe I don't know what police chiefs and so forth earn. But when you really think about that, the fact that the sunshine list kept their, no, no, 100,000, they kept it static for the last, call it 30 years. And yet inflation has grown salaries. Our salaries have not kept up with inflation, but yet the sunshine number, that benchmark has not grown either. I mean, ultimately you're going to have, essentially, if they don't change something pretty soon, you're going to have fast food employees that are going to be on the sunshine list, right? But I guess they're not public sector. So who knows? It's hard to think about. My dad had so much more buying power than I have. So thinking about how that has in context of is $100,000 the right amount of money to live that comfortable life? Because I still think that many people think so. Like you said, Kyle, the six figures. And now we've just got one piece of data that says if $100,000 on the sunshine list in 96 compared to now is 310. Now it's almost like is 310 the right amount of money to live that super comfy life to $100,000 back then. So I think there's a case here, but I mean, let's dig into some of the numbers. Matt brought up the idea thinking about, let's look at $100,000 as if we were making that now, which teachers at the top end of their salary are. And let's now compare it to what some of the average costs are and see where does our budget fit in with, let's say we make $100,000. That probably means what we're going to take home between sixty-five dollars to $70,000 after tax, after pension contributions, after all of that, maybe sixty k around that after you take off all the deductions and planning for, because I had pension pulled off right from my salary. So I remember thinking 60K was my take home when I did some number crunching right there. And that's the money you have to spend on all the things, right? All the things. So it's like, okay, if that's the number, then do we have enough to kind of like not only pay for your family because $100,000 actually, like you guys said, is the 90th percentile. But when you look at StatsCan, it's the 90th percentile if you're close, if you're between 35 and 44. So it's like by age. And then it, your income kind of peaks at between 45 and 55. 90th percentile in Canada at 45 to 55 is like 130K. But I mean, you're still in good shape there. So it's kind of like, what are we spending on for our families? If I got a car payment, if we got mortgages, to pay, like I want to understand that is 100K enough to have all of that? And be able to save for retirement, but also a good retirement. Or maybe like there's a ton of people, Kyle, like we get calls all the time reaching out to us about investing and real estate investing and JV partnerships. A lot of these folks are wondering, it's like, can I retire early? Make 100K a year. Do I have enough to retire early? So is 100K enough to pay for everything and be able to plan for early retirement? Yeah, it's definitely becoming more and more of a challenge, as you can imagine, right? And we dug up all kinds of numbers here. And of course, that makes my heart sing. However, it also makes it a little sad when you see, John, after you consider, let's say, taxes on 100K, and then say it's a pension contribution, or let's say you're paying around 10, 12% of your pay to put into your own pension, right? 
let's assume that that's happening. You're left with maybe 60,000, low 60s after all of that, right? So your marginal tax rate is 37,000. Here's the crazy part. So the average tax rate for someone who earns 100,000 in Ontario, and it's similar in other provinces, but not exact, but the average tax rate ends up being around 22.5%. Doesn't sound bad, but the marginal tax rate is 37.91%. So call it 38%. And that means that even if you want to go out and earn more money, if you do it and it's not, say, protected in some way, say a corporation or some sort of other structure, you're losing essentially 40% of every extra dollar you earn to the government. So some people who earn 100000 and let's say they go pick up a shift somewhere, they want to be a waiter or they want to go bartend or they want to do anything, assuming they're claiming as they're supposed to, quote unquote, claiming those tips, they're giving 40 cents of every dollar to the government. Right. As you get to that level, every extra dollar you earn, you're giving more of it away, which is also not super exciting. On the other end, when we look at the cost of everything, so if you think you got 60K left to spend, that's $5,000 per month. And then we start to look at some of these average payments here. Matt, you had pulled some of these numbers here. What were some of these averages that you were seeing? I remember the car payment one kind of blew my mind because I don't have a car payment right now and I hate buying cars personally, but the average you said kind of blew my mind. Take us through some of these numbers that you saw. $813 is the average car payment. That's a seven-year loan as well. $813. I know we, we bought a van. This would have been in 2020. And ours is a little 550 bucks for our Chrysler Pacifica. I've got another car that I was able to buy through my business. And this has been a point in a number of our episodes. When we make salaried income, there's some benefits, but there's also some challenges. And we've alluded to those in, in some other in other episodes about why owning a business is is preferential. So in my case, our family car is owned personally. My my business vehicle is owned through the business. So that's a benefit of owning the business. So $813 per month of that $5,000, call it $600 a month if you drive a more modest vehicle. And that means that half of people are paying more than that right? Yeah, half are paying right. under that's that right. and half are paying more than that, right? Or well, that no, would that's be the media. That's, that's the media. That's the media. Oh, right. that's it's been a while since I've taught data Oh my right. gosh, the math teacher. I know. Jeez. I'm so rusty. <laughs> it paid groceries at about $350 per person. John was saying for his family of four, he's about $1,200 a month. So call it $400 a person for groceries. That means it doesn't count. I don't think for restaurant meals, for your morning coffee run. That is just straight groceries. So call that per person $400 a month, $1,200 a month on groceries. Let's talk maybe mortgage payments. We've got a mortgage broker with us here, John. Like So the average house price in Windsor-Essex, and again, keep in mind, we are one of the most affordable places in the country where you'd want, maybe where you'd want to live. I'm sure there's thoughts that might be cheaper, but we were $530,000 was the cost of the average house in Windsor-Essex in the month of October, 2023. I'm going to estimate, or, or I'm going to guess that most teachers live in houses that are more money than this, more money than the average here, because I would surmise that teachers are certainly in not only in the highest 10% of income earners here at Windsor-Essex, but, but probably even more so. John, if you had to estimate what a payment would be on this house, what would it look like? 
Well, I think maybe a better number, right, is to not think about buying this house outright now. Because if I'm making, if I'm a teacher or if I've been making 100K, it's taken me 12 years to get to that spot to reach top the category. It's likely that we bought a home or you bought a home lower than that value. And your mortgage payment is probably lower at this point. Now, if I had to refinance or if we needed to buy another home and we didn't have any equity, we've built only 20% equity, then we can talk about what that calculation might look like. But what we did instead was that we looked up the average mortgage payment across Ontario. And I think we had some data from 2019 and it was like around 2000 between 1500 and $2,000 a month in mortgage payments. So that kind of takes into account that you may have bought your home 10 years ago or five years ago, or even one year ago or today. And that's where your mortgage payment is coming from. So, so that might be a little bit more realistic to think about in terms of a person who's making 110, because realistically, if I bought a brand new home today, it's likely that I already had a home, especially you're in your 40s to 50s and you're making 100K a year as a teacher, then you've got built up some equity in the home prior to move or port over into the new home. So there's that. But again, if you put, let's say you put 20% down and current rates, oof, current rates are high, right guys? Current rates are anywhere between 5.8, 5.7, depending on your credit score. So an average rate right now, if you look at 6.5% and you put 20% down on, say, that 530K home and you had no more equity, let's say you were a first-time home buyer, then you're looking at 2600 bucks a month in mortgage payments. So that's going to eat up a good chunk of your value. Now, that's the reality of people. Think about this, guys. If I'm not a 100K year earner and I'm a new teacher and you're thinking about getting buying your first home, you're not even making 100K and now your mortgage payment's 2,600 bucks. It's insane. Hey there, Canadian wealth secret seekers. If you are an incorporated business owner who wants some clarity around how your corporation can provide you a better option for tax sheltering than the RRSPs that you've been socking away, we should chat. For those whose annual retained earnings are significant, we have some even more beneficial, unique, and compliant strategies to supercharge your personal income while growing your net worth at the very same time. Learn more on a quick discovery call by visiting CanadianWealthSecrets.com forward slash discovery. That's CanadianWealthSecrets.com forward slash discovery to book a short call to speak with us today. I got to say, if it's $60,000 and we're talking about a single income, so that's one thing. Maybe you have two incomes coming in. Maybe you double that if that person also makes a hundred, but let's assume a single income for a second. That's $5,000 a month. If you were to come into the market for the first time right now, and you were at the top of the grid and you're making that hundred thousand, you're giving up more than half of the money that you have coming into your bank account every month for that mortgage. And then you've got 2,400 bucks. You might have a car payment or not, right? So let's call it what? That's 1,600 bucks left now. 
you talked about groceries, which were 400 a person or so. So now you're at 1200. This money is just disappearing very quickly. You're now down to 1200. And we haven't talked about, say, property taxes, say, property insurance, say, auto insurance, say, life insurance, if you actually are concerned about the uncertainties of life. Eating out phone bills. Yeah. I didn't realize how crazy inflation is crushing us just in general in Canada. When you think that 100,000, we did this episode to really answer this question. And I don't think we, <laughs> we're we answering it as we go, but I'm starting to recognize that this is crazy. When you think about that, I feel blessed that I guess we got into the housing market when we did because it's definitely going to pose a challenge for some other people out there. So I wonder... What could we suggest for those who are listening who may not have a residence yet? They're looking to invest. They want to get into the real estate market. What are some things we can do? Not go to Starbucks is one of them, but I don't think that's going to cut it. And I know Matt's not a big fan of it. What do you think, Matt? What can people do? Matt's a big fan of Starbucks, not cutting it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the silver lining. This is the great message. And the three of us are living proof of this, right? It's like you either have to spend less and that's definitely no fun and pretty hard to do because of course, one of the benefits of so many of these jobs is you get some significant time off. And so time off with no money to travel, that reminds me of like having a poor retirement. It sounds awful. So you either have to spend less, which to me is no fun, or you have to make more. And that's what this podcast is all about. How can you make more? How can you create more income opportunities? How can you generate more money? How can you create some assurances that as you age and as you progress and as you get to the point where you want to wind down your working career, you will have enough money to enjoy the time that you'll then have. And as part of my own personal beliefs, how can I leave something behind as a legacy for my children so that when inflation continues to take its toll in the future, my kids will have a leg up on everyone else. And that's where the messages of so many of our episodes about how to go about investing and how to get started are critical. And just think about the number of people we talk to who have been stuck, who have been spinning their wheels on investing, and inflation has continued to eat away and eat away and eat away at the income they do have. The cost now to invest have been going up and up and up. So I think my big message here is to get started, to think the topic of this is mind-blowing, that a hundred grand is perhaps not enough for you to live comfortably almost anywhere in this country is pretty mind-blowing. And I think a call to all of you out there who have aspired to take action and start investing to actually take that action, to reach out to us for a consultation, for a call. We can get into the minutia with you and really analyze your situation. We've got Kyle is brilliant at this. We can start to talk to you about some of our back episodes topics. We can really help you understand which one of these strategies might relate to you. Is it real estate investing? We certainly do a lot of that. We're going to talk in future episodes about some terrific opportunities we've just recently found in real estate investing. Is that the way you want to go? Do you want to be hands-off and just be a money partner, a joint venture partner in a future property. We've got options for that as well. I can feel my temperature rising as we talk about this. This is like a crisis. <laughs> if a hundred grand isn't enough to live comfortably in this country, I won't complain about systemic issues or things we can't control because I'm a firm believer in your destiny is in your hands. So forget complaining about the government or this or that or the other thing. Let's focus on what you can do for yourself. Yeah. Good message there, Matt, and good takeaway. And I think my takeaway from analyzing the data is thinking about some of the, like you said, messages we've shared in prior podcasts, in, which is about aligning your priorities. We've talked about a lot of averages 
here when we did our average, what's our average mortgage payment? What's our average car payment? What's our average for groceries? What's our average for going out? That kind of thing. For me, I think if you're going to say make it and change your comfort level so that 100K is enough. And if you're going to just say, I'm not going to make more money, but I'm going to restructure the money I have to create cushion so that I can invest, that's still doable because that's what I did for a long time. I had no extra money coming in, but I did a lot of restructuring on what matters to me. And I think that's a good question we have to ask ourselves. What really matters to you? And then how do you structure? So what you said, Matt, is important too, is hop on a call with us too, because we've done a lot of restructuring calls to think about what should we focus on? How can I restructure this? We did an episode a couple episodes ago, Cal, should we be putting money here? Or maybe we should be actually putting some money away for our financial security first, because that will also allow us to have some capital money we can move to other places. And we actually can use the same dollar twice. And so we've got some strategies we've used with people to help restructure their current financial situation to allow them to get into real estate investing or use their money for future wealth building. So let us know about that. But I think that's my big takeaway. I love it. I love it. I got a surge of energy from Matt there. He's getting passionate. He's I getting, love it. He's getting, he's getting excited. <laughs> you know, what I'm hearing in both of what you're saying is, again, I loved what I heard from Matt about this idea that you are essentially in control of your destiny. And that is 100% percent true. And John, you're giving some ideas around how you can actually take control of your destiny. And I think I just want to sort of put a exclamation point behind those two ideas. If you don't know why you want to invest or you don't know why you want to grow some wealth or whatever it is, the reality is, is you're not going to do it because you're not clear enough on the why. You're not clear on what it is that you're trying to achieve. The reality is, and and I say this to people who do call in, there was one time where I said to someone, I said, it sounds like you're living your best life right now with your current budget and it's working for you. You don't have anything left to invest, but it sounds like you're doing exactly what you want to do. We always use the example of playing softball four days a week. Well, if that's you, rock and roll. But if you're not happy with where you're at now, you got to prioritize. You got to think about what is it that you actually want. And then actually, when people say planning, it sounds scary. But the reality is, if I keep doing what I'm doing now, and then I fast forward for 10, 20, 30 years What is that going to do for me? And if you're playing a game where it means you're going to be at exactly the same level and you just hopefully will continue earning the same amount of income, but you've not gained any sort of assets or wealth, that's fine. But as long as you're aware that that's what you're doing, right? If you want that to change, you need to look at that and you need to actually extrapolate out and say, if I keep doing this, here's where I'm going to be. It's not going to change on your own. You need to be well aware of it. And if you're okay with the end goal or the result of it, then you're in good shape. If you're not okay with that end goal, then you need to look and you need to decide what actually brings me happiness and joy in my life now and what does not. For a lot of people, I pick on cars all the time. Cars 
that 800 on average per month for a car payment is a lot of money, right? So does it actually bring you the amount of joy that you really thought it would bring you? It's okay if you're wrong. You can sell it and you can downsize or you can sell your home and you can downsize that. Whatever you need to do, do what you need to do and get yourself going on your plan, not on our plan, on your plan. And you can reach out to us anytime so we can help you sort of come to some realization as to what your next steps are by heading to investedteacher.com forward slash discovery. And you can hop on a quick call again, investedteacher.com forward slash discovery. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the Invested Teacher podcast. We encourage you to leave a five-star rating and review and also to share this podcast with your friends and family. We are on all social media, so you can find us over there as well. All links, resources, and transcripts from this episode can be found over on the website. That's investedteacher.com forward slash episode 48. Again, that is investedteacher.com forward slash episode 48. All right, invested students, class dismissed. This is just a quick reminder that this is not, not investment advice. It is for entertainment purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Just as a reminder, Matt is a licensed realtor in the province of Ontario with Deerbrook Realty. John is a mortgage agent with Bricks Mortgage, license number M2300-6803. And Kyle is a licensed life and accident and sickness insurance agent with Corporate Advisors and Pan Financial. Hey, Canadian Wealth Secret Seekers. I'm happy to tell you that it's working. What you ask? Well, we've been asking you to do us a huge solid and share the podcast in the same way it was shared with you, and it's working. We've been in the top 100 business podcasts on Apple Podcasts for over the past few weeks, and we're sticking. And that is all thanks to you. Thanks again, and if you haven't yet, leave a rating, a review, and keep on sharing.